very enjoyable. Let me get this a little bit higher. So today, we're going to um, talk about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts and how that the Holy Spirit is an indiscriminate gift. What does that mean? I, you know, it's kind of a strange, I've never heard of it, but that was my topic, and now I love it. I'll explain why. I'm turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, we're going to review a few things and kind of try to tie together um, some of our thoughts that we've, we've had leading up to this point, all right? And I think, did you say next week uh, concludes the series, Nick, or, or a couple more weeks? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's read um, Acts 9, and let's read 1 through uh, 19, or should I do 20? Let's see. Yeah, I think, I think we'll do 20, actually. But anyway, let's do Acts 9, 1 then. Let's start. Then Saul. Okay, this is Saul of Tarsus. He's a Pharisee. He was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, okay, the way would be the way of Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If he found any of those who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And it is hard for you to kick against the goads. So goads are like, you know, oxen that are kicking the um, kind of the yoke. And anyway, do, do all your versions have that or is it mainly mine? Okay, I, I have the New King James and so they include things sometimes that um, that aren't always in the more newer, the newer versions. Okay, um, so he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise. And go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and 
putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how many, uh, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all people who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laid his hands on Saul. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately Saul preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Dear God, please bless your word, and as we consider it, I pray that it'll uh, speak right to where we need your help. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Holy Spirit, this passage reveals a lot about the Holy Spirit. He can talk to you <laughs> and set things up and arrange things. Now, the description of my topic that he is an indiscriminate gift from God, from Jesus. And what does indiscriminate mean? Well, the opposite would be discriminate. And discriminating is, is a prejudicial kind of a thing. Only certain people are cool. And, and so there are prejudiced viewpoints. And you could say racist in certain, certain situations. It's the same, same sort of thing. It's, they're not part of the cool group or they can't be included or something like that. And it boils down to hatred or rejection of some sort. And so the Holy Spirit is an indiscriminate gift. People are not left out because of prejudice or discrimination. It was Jesus who said in Luke 8, 11, 13, he said, and if you being evil, you fathers, you who have fallen natures, if you still love to give good gifts and such to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who simply ask? In other words, God doesn't look prejudicially against sinners of whatever type. And so, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you remember, he was a uh, a council leader. He was part of the Sanhedrin and he was this important person. 
And Jesus said, you must be born from above by the Holy Spirit or you won't even see God's kingdom. He's a leader of the of the country of God's people. And Jesus is saying, you can't even be a part of God's kingdom without being reborn from above by the Holy Spirit. What? Well, how can I go back into my mother's womb? You know, he, he gets into this whole dialogue that's kind of weird. But Jesus said, that's how it is. There must be a new birth. Now, John cleared it up. And he said it this way. In John 1.12, he said, but to as many as received Jesus, to them he gives the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who are born, not of man, not by human means, not by what family you're born in, and not by the will of the flesh. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be God's child. I'm going to, you know, be his right hand, blah, blah, blah. It's not of the will of man, but it's of God. And God is not prejudicial. He doesn't discriminate. It's those who believe in and receive Jesus. Then the spirit of Jesus, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. When you receive Jesus, his spirit comes in. And you're reborn. It's amazing. And so a transformation begins to take place. Now, how does the Holy Spirit then make sure everybody gets included? Well, we've been learning in Acts, starting at chapter 1, that you believers, you who've been praying in Acts chapter 1, there were 120 that were praying. And in Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus told them, if you remember in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or overflows you. So it's not enough just to receive him, but let him fill you. Let him fill you. And it's a daily thing. You can... Be being filled, it says in Ephesians 5.18. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's, he empowers you, but what does he empower you for? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes over you or overflows you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem. Okay, that's where it started. That was the hometown of, of Israel. And then in Judea, kind of like the county or the state, and Samaria, an adjoining state. Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest part of the earth. Every state, every country, all people. No one's left out. Every tribe, tongue, people, nation get to receive if they'll just open their heart and listen but to make sure that everybody gets told, he empowers people with the Holy Spirit to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what we've been seeing in the book of Acts. So this indiscriminateness of the Holy Spirit 
given as a gift to various people. It's based on love. It's God's love. God so loved the world. So he's raising up people like Chris Rep right here. She travels all over the world. She's a fanatic. You know, she's telling people about Jesus. She's helping them with health issues and then sharing with everyone about Jesus because I know her very well. And a lot of them come to the Lord. And Justin Thomas, Riley, my son, Nick, my son, and several others from the Bible College thought, you know where they really need Jesus? Capitol Hill. Those people are dark. They have riots down there. No, it wasn't as bad back when they first started. It's only gotten darker. But that's the need. And he wants to make sure those people. It doesn't matter whether you have the true religion. When you first start, your parents taught you whatever. Or you have no religion that your parents taught you. Or that you have a false religion. The Lord wants everyone to hear the true gospel. Now, if your parents and family have shown you the true gospel, you're a leg ahead. That's awesome. But it's believing in the gospel. What is the gospel? It's this. We learned in Acts 4.12. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved than, but the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name. Why Jesus Christ? Well, although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. It says in Philippians 2, 5, and 6, but he emptied himself of his divine privilege and prerogative, and he took on the form of a bondservant, which meant he became in appearance and in form as a man. And he, as a man, became obedient even to the point of death, the death of the cross, in order to die for all of our sins. And he was the only perfect man who's ever lived. He's the only one who could do it. And he, God, the second person, the triune Godhead, became a man. And then took on himself all of our sins and was judged. He became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And that death, by the way, crucifixion, was for the worst and most horrible people. They would get crucifixion. And God had written in his law that anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed because Jesus came to bore not bear not only all our sins, but even the curse that was brought upon us by the disobedience of our forefathers and of all of us, our sins. He was willing to do that. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess but if you do it willingly 
not in the end when there's when you've rejected him though your whole life even a foxhole conversion would do it but if you don't even do it before you die then that's it you've got this life to make that choice now because Jesus bore all of our sins he can say father he's forgiven because he believes in me he's trusting me now and receiving me he's justified but Saul of Tarsus was a person who was an enemy of Jesus and he hated people that believed in Jesus he had the true scriptures but he didn't realize throughout the Hebrew scriptures which is the Old Testament it prophesied the Messiah until he started reading it with the eyes the Holy Spirit gives you and now all of a sudden yikes he is the Messiah but he didn't even know that until what we just read he was completely blind and that's why there were scales on his eyes physically just to show him physically how blind you can be and spiritually people are so blind I was so blind my sin blinded me I thought like someone earlier said I'm super cool because you know I do this I do that I can rap whatever hey my daughter is a rapper so I know what I'm talking about you know all of that people can think whatever they want but no matter who you are even a child raised in a Christian family God doesn't have grandchildren you must be born again he has children you must be receive and trust Jesus you must see your need and it's so good okay so he told him go out into all the world and the Holy Spirit's gonna empower you to do that so Philip one of the guys following Jesus the evangelist he went to Samaria now Samaria was where the weird people lived they had false religion questionable beliefs they had the Hebrew scriptures but they tied in a bunch of other stuff that was kooky that's why Jesus at the well he's talking to the woman who's a Samaritan and he's saying you guys got some kooky beliefs I mean we we have the true religion but what you really need is me so that you can worship God in spirit and truth through my forgiveness and cleansing and this new life knowing the true God so Jesus paved the way and then Philip went up and a revival started so they sent Peter and John up and it really got going to where a sorcerer named Simon he said he believed and by the way can I pay you some money so I can give out the Holy Spirit too he was getting things a little messed up and Peter said may your money perish with you it's not about paying money for something see it's indiscriminate love from God for people you can't deserve it by earning it by being good enough because no one is but you know what's sweet he loves you so much so much that even the lukewarm church Laodicea 
Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I will come in and drink with you and you with me. We'll have fellowship. And if you overcome by believing in me and trusting me, that's how you overcome things in life is by having the trust relationship with Jesus. That is the key to everything in life. A trust relationship with Jesus. Now you say, is Jesus trustworthy? Uh, I think so. He's never, ever failed me. And the Bible says he never will fail nor forsake you. Anyone? I found that Jesus did fail. Raise your hand right now and tell me what it is. You see? He's, he loves people. And people that really will trust him and receive him. It's awesome. Well, they did that among the Samaritans. And Simon the sorcerer got an earful as well. We don't know exactly what he did, but we'll see. Maybe we'll see him in heaven. But then, and that was Acts chapter 8. Okay, I think Nick's going to do a little bit in that chapter um, next week. Now, in Acts chapter 10, the one after the one we're doing today, okay, Acts chapter 10, a Gentile, a, a person that's pagan, no true religion, but he liked the Hebrew scriptures, and he liked to support the Jewish nation. He was a really good guy. He was a God-fearing man. Okay, you hear that sometimes. He's a God-fearing person, or she's a God-fearing person. That's a good thing if it's the true God. But we must turn from false gods and idols, and you know the biggest idol is yourself. I need to let God be my Lord and Jesus be my king. So that happened at Cornelius' house through a whole thing that the Holy Spirit set up. Peter got called over to Cornelius' house. He preached, and everybody in the place got saved. And then he filled them with the Holy Spirit. Now, these were people, again, who were not trained in Jewish religion, in scriptural truth. They were not trained in it. They were friends and family of Cornelius. They all got saved. So what's the whole point here in this introduction? And the whole message will get faster after this. What is the whole point? That God is indiscriminate in his love. He so loved the world. So people, your mission field is really easy to find. It's wherever you're going today and tomorrow and next week. And the more you receive his love, the more you're going to want to share it. But if you're not receiving his love every day, which you need really bad, and I do too. I need it worse than you do as far as I know. I mean, Paul said he was the worst sinner of all. I would say I'm that. Because I know I need him really bad. I'm 72 and I need him more than I've ever needed him. He said, what about sanctification, Wayne? Hasn't that happened to you yet? A little bit. I wish it was more, I'll tell you that. And I'm hoping this message will help. <laughs> I get weird sometimes. Okay. So the whole point is the indiscriminate gift 
of the Holy Spirit means God's love. It's God's love to you. But Paul, as we just read, he came to realize that the love of God was multidimensional. It wasn't just one-dimensional or two or three-dimensional. It was at least four dimensions because he prayed for the Ephesians. In chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, he prayed that they might comprehend what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and that we may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And so, first of all, God's love is infinitely broad. How broad he so loved the world. And it's infinitely long. How long he has loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3. You know, in Psalm 136, 26 verses in that psalm. You know what the 26 verses say? Every single one of them says, his loving kindness endures forever. I love reading that psalm. You might want to try that one. That's a good one. That's amazing. His loving kindness is forever. That's how long it is. Forever. And how deep is it? You cannot get too low where his love won't reach you. You could be the lowest, sickest individual ever, morally, and he still could pick you up and raise you into a new life, one of his sons or daughters. And even as Christians, when we mess up, he lifts us up with his love. He washes us off with his blood, and he seats us Okay, the lowest depths, he seats us in heavenly places with him again. Because every day through prayer and through worship and just looking out, seeing the sunshine or seeing clouds 300 days per year, usually with rain, and still have close communion because you're seated with him at any time that you want. Isn't that amazing? Like I was saying, Laodicean church, the lukewarm church, if you believe in me and overcome, I will seat you on my throne with me just like I sat on the Father's throne with him. Can you imagine we get to sit on Jesus on his throne if you've ever been lukewarm in your life? Is there anyone here that's never been lukewarm in his life because I want to meet you after church? There have been times like that. But that's what the Holy Spirit is for. You see? He wants to fire us up today because he loves us so much. Paul became convinced, convinced of God's love because the Lord captivated him. He's he stopped him in his tracks. He's on his way to Damascus. He wants to arrest Christians and he hopes to get the death penalty for them. He's like a political terrorist towards Christians. So Jesus flashes down on him with brilliant light, so light that he's knocked off to his horse 
And he's lying on the ground. He's blinded. And a Saul, uh, a, a voice comes out of the light, brighter than the sun, and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now we learn something from that. Jesus takes, Jesus takes it really personal if you're one of his children and people are picking on you. He doesn't like it. I feel bad for people who are killing Christians. Or any people unjustly. But especially his family. Fortunately, he loves those people too and he'll he can save them like he did Saul. When he was watching people stone Stephen. And yet he said, I'm going to get that guy. I want that guy. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, he wanted you. You say, I'm not yet a believer. Receive him and you'll realize he wanted you too. You didn't choose him, but he chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. You say, well, who chooses the one first? I don't know. All I know is he knows everything that's ever going to happen, so I guess it's him. Whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. I don't have a problem with that, but it doesn't mean I don't have a choice. Right? I'm not going to go, well, he didn't choose me. Oh, I'm doomed. You choose him, he'll, you'll realize he chose you first. Amen? That's how it works. And the Holy Spirit comes in, and your life has changed. So this voice comes out and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's laying there. And it's all comical to me. I mean, it really is. He's laying there on the ground. He goes, who are you, Lord? You know, he's freaked. Who are you, Lord? <laughs> Whoever you are, you are now my Lord. And that voice comes back. I am Jesus, whom you are are persecuting. I want you to stop that. And I've got some other plans. I want you to help them spread the news. <laughs> and he's going, Jesus? He's the one they say arose from the dead. I guess it's true. How are people going to know Jesus is risen? They're going to see him in your life. They're going to hear about him because of what he's been doing in your life. You know, just tell people cool stuff that's happening with you, and you know the Lord's had a part in it. Start with that, and then see if they want more. Don't pour the perfume on. People don't like that. Just give them a little whiff. <laughs> give them a little whiff, and they might say, well, tell me more about that. Okay, do you have, like, three days? Awesome. So he goes to this place that God leads him, and he's blind. Now, up to this point, the Lord's just done what he's done to get his attention and apprehend him and wrestle him to the ground. Spiritually. 
Now he's going to show him his love. He's going to say, I got plans for you. He's already told him that. But then he tells Ananias, one of his, um, <laughs> you know, let me see what time it is here. I got to stay with it. Okay. He's, he's, um, talks to one of his great servants, Ananias, and he says, yeah, I just, you know, there's a guy I want you to pray for over on Straight Street. He, I've told him that you're going to come over. Isn't this crazy? That the Holy Spirit can tell you stuff like that? That blows your mind. I don't, anyway, so Ananias goes, oh, okay. Wow, well, what's his name? His name is Saul of Tarsus. What? We've heard about that guy. He, he wants to kill us. He wants to put us in jail. You might have the wrong person, Lord. And the Lord says, hey, I've already talked to him. He's going to find out how much he has to suffer to follow me. But I need you to pray for him. Now get over there. It's exciting to be a Christian. You get to do fun stuff. Nutty people will come and want to know stuff. And you'll be able to tell them. It's fantastic. Just be open. Just be receptive. You say, I'm more shy. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. No more shyness about talking about God. You can be, you know, do it in a few words rather than a hundred like I do. But he wants you to have that courage. So Ananias says, hey, nice to meet you, Saul. Um, I've been told that I'm supposed to pray for you. I hear you're blind. Yeah, I'm blind. I don't like it. Okay, here we go. Dear God, just heal his eyes. Scales fall from his eyes. He can see. I can see. Wow, that's great. Now I'm also supposed to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. They pray. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you notice? He's like in the first days of his salvation, he's already telling people about Jesus. And this person who was the worst enemy of Christianity, now all of a sudden is preaching the one who he thought was false. A false Messiah. Turned out he was the true Messiah. From there on, the Lord began to show him stuff. He heals him. He fills him with the Holy Spirit. He begins to use his life. People start persecuting him, but he keeps telling them about Jesus. Many, many hundreds of people, thousands of people get saved. Hundreds of churches get planted. Um, he's put in situations where he could die. Saul, I'm talking about, who becomes Paul. In fact, I counted him up in 2 Corinthians 11 and through the book of Acts. He should have died at least 14 times. He was persecuted badly, Saul, and he finally did die by being beheaded by Caesar. It's not easy following the Lord. I'm not saying you're going to be beheaded. I don't want that personally for me. I'm praying that I'll die in my sleep, actually. I actually do that because I don't want to die in an airplane crash. Because <laughs> you have a few minutes to think about Anyway, I'm just, so, yeah. <laughs> but it's not easy. Who knows what 
life will be for any of us. But I'll tell you this, no matter what you're in, his love will be sufficient. And Paul said, nothing can separate me from his love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, fallen angels, demonic powers over principalities, powers, nor things present that may come, things in the future, things to come that might come, um, highs, lows, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That was the pinnacle of what Paul was saying to the Romans in chapters 1 through 8. So what does a person want? God is judge. Will you let him justify you as the judge? Because you receive his gift, the Holy Spirit and the Son of God. Will you receive that? Then you're justified by God himself and you have the Holy Spirit to prove it. And you keep growing in that relationship. Or do you want him to be your judge? Then there's the lake of fire. You say, Wayne, why do you get so stark like that? I don't want you to go to hell. And I don't want your neighbors to go to hell. Serious, it bothers me. I think about hell. Why? I don't know why. The only reason I can think of is I'm an evangelist. I don't want people going to hell. But they will. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are those who find it. Narrow is the way that leads to life with God, but it's such a great way because it's Jesus. We know how great it is. Quit being stingy. Other people have to receive this. They have to know. So the Lord is so good. All these things cannot separate us. Just like Jesus was actually with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were thrown into the fiery furnace because Nebuchadnezzar had said you have to bow down to an idol or you're going to go into a fiery furnace. Yes, the devil has horrible plans for your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. But I've come that you might have life abundantly. I want you to know me. And while you might go through a hard death, I mean, even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but when Nebuchadnezzar looked in there, because they wouldn't bow down and they were thrown in, and he looked in to see how they were doing, they were walking around, no longer bound, they're their ties of of being bound were off them and they were walking around in the fiery furnace and there was a fourth man there who looked like the son of God. It says in Daniel chapter 3. In other words, Jesus was right there with him. So one thing is sure, no matter how you end this life, Jesus is going to be with you. He's going to be comforting you all the way. That's my hope. That's yours. But there are so many aspects to it.
just end with this. Receiving this love, this indiscriminate gift of the Holy Spirit, which indiscriminate means in any and every situation, too. He's going to be with you. He's not going to say, I'm not going to be there. You know, even when you're doing stupid stuff, he's probably going to be with you. Now, unfortunately, you're going against what he wants, so you have to learn a lesson. Oh, I've had many of those. But one thing I can share is he's always been there. And he's called to me immediately in it or at the end of it and say, come here, you idiot. He speaks to me like that sometimes. Come here and he's encouraging. He's saying, come on. You know what a dumb move that was? I want you to grow. Don't you, why, don't you want an abundant life? You want a sick life? I don't mean sick physically. I mean, Christians get sick. So it's, you don't want to make choices that exacerbate problems and give you a guilty conscience and make you feel horrible. You know, what's beautiful is his love does not change in the midst of all that. I wanted to say to our dear friend that was speaking about home groups, I wanted to say, you are fantastic. What are you talking about? See, because the enemy wants you to say you're, you're a pile of doo-doo. Because he wants you worried and fearful and anxious and filled with all this stuff. It's all a bunch of lies. Jesus loves you, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And little ones like you, to him belong. But you're weak. That's, yeah, you're weak, okay. But he's strong. You must receive that love on a daily basis. Be being filled with him and his love every day. Why? Because people that are not sensing and receiving the love they need, they will have real hard stuff that they go through just mentally and emotionally. We all face this. And this is where Jesus can come in. You know, Thomas Manton said, it's my last little piece. Thomas Manton said, he's a great Puritan preacher and author. He said, love is like an echo. It will return what it receives. If you are receiving the, the greatest love, greater love has no one than this, than one laid down his life for his friends. And you receiving that, you're not going to be deprived. It's indiscriminate. He's going to keep pouring it out. Nothing's going to stop it. You just have to receive it and enjoy it. And that's what will be rumbling around in your brain. Love is like an echo. It returns what it receives. I want to know, what voices are you thinking about all day? What voices are clamoring for your attention? I'm talking to myself. You know, this entire message was for, for me to think about it. What voices are rattling your cage every day? If it's the love of Jesus... 
you're going to be blessing people. People are going to be hopeful around you. You're going to be encouraging. You're going to be understanding because you have his love in you. And that's the loudest voice that he wants to be there. Let's pray. Thank you so much.